Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A warning. This series contains discussions of themes that might be distressing for some listeners. I don't believe he's walked out there. What I know unfolded that night and what's been told is totally different. If it all played out and it was the truth, I could believe it, but I don't believe it at all. The Boy in the Water is a newsroom.co.nz production. Mysterious circumstances, improbable theories, a debacle of a police investigation, and a small town on edge. What really happened to little Lockie Jones? Kia ora, I'm Melanie Reid, Newsroom's Investigations Editor. Welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast... The Boy in the Water, Rocky Road. So this is where my son's been buried and I come up here... Lockie's grave has windmills and flowers and his father Paul Jones believes when he speaks to Lockie, the windmills spin... I was just sit here and talk to him, and it's like he's still here at times. I know he's not, but I think sometimes he might be able to still hear me. Yep. In this episode, we're going to look at the time leading up to Lockie's death on January 29, 2019. Paul Jones and Lockie's mother were together for about five years. Lockie was born in May 2015. 
You lived just across the road with Lockie. Yeah. You spent a bit of time here. Oh, quite a bit of time here. I'm at the Gore AMP showgrounds with Paul. We used to go over to the horses over there when the horse events are on, been to fairs here, and I often walked them through here at nights and that. AMP stands for Agricultural and Pastoral, and these shows are an institution in rural New Zealand. Gore's AMP show is one of the biggest events on the calendar down here. There are displays of equipment and livestock, there are baking and preserving competitions, and the farmers show off their prize rams and kids their pet sheep, goats and calves. We are sitting in the grandstand, which was built in 1906. It's good viewing from here to see the horse events. The grounds double as a rugby field in the winter months. And sometimes we'd walk through here and go around the block a couple of times and back home. Mainly carried him, didn't like the pram. He'd walk about five feet and then he wasn't picked up. On one side of Salford Street is the southern end of the showgrounds, and on the other is a row of houses. They're mostly summit stone homes, modest, single-level concrete brick, built in the 1970s. One of these is where Lockie was living with his mother and half-brother. Roughly two-thirds of the way down the street towards the Matolda River is Grasslands Road. It's on the right and it's tar-sealed for approximately 50 metres before it becomes gravel. It leads to the oxidation sewage ponds, which are surrounded by farmland on three sides and the river on the other. Lockie was found towards the end of the second pond. I've got memories, no matter where I go, I've got memories of them. Especially in the van during the day, I used to cart them around in the van and, yeah, different things, yeah. He used to be your little helper. Yeah, he helped a few times, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Paul Jones says he's far from perfect and admits he's prone to getting lippy. But he says he, Lockie and Lockie's mum, lived a pretty good life in those early days. Lockie's mother has two sons from a previous relationship. They moved out when Lockie was born. Then, in 2018, the younger of the boys returned to live with them at the Salford Street address. The elder son, while he didn't move back, was often over there. Oh, it's just one minute it was all right, next minute it was not, just depending on whether um, Lockie's mum's kids were there. It's, you know, we never argue why the... Um, why the kids weren't there and they created all the problems, so. So the two half-brothers had been living with their father, is that right? Yeah, and then they come back, yeah. And by that stage, Lockie was like three? Just before three, yep, yep, just on three, yep. So tell me what it was like then at the house once the boys arrived. You know, what could I do? I wasn't their biological father, you know. They could do whatever they want. How did they create the problems? Oh, just, yeah, they did, we didn't get on at all in the end, so. It was just a disaster. You know, there was arguments and that, and um, there was no rules or that for them, and it just was too divided, you know, too divided, so it never, it never worked out. And I was getting blamed for a lot of things that, you know, 
I think they were crying wolf for quite a bit of the time and that. You have spoken about the boys ringing the police. What's that about? What happened there? Oh, for some reason or another, the police got rung. But people don't usually ring the police for no reason. Oh, exactly. Whether there was an argument or roaring or I don't know what happened. They arrived anyway and I was the uh, one that got the blame for everything. I can recall the police turning up for, you know, I think the last time the, the youngest boy, he, well, he ran over to the park, I can remember that, and I went chasing after him to say, oh, come back, you know, what's wrong? And then I, when I got back, he said, oh, the police had arrived, and they said, oh, you threatened to kill him. <laughs> and had you? No. Nah. It's just all lies. So it's all lies? No, oh, that incident, well, I've never threatened to kill him. So these incidents, it was about arguments. Yeah, or, yeah, it was. Or so-called arguments, yep, definitely. You, you say so-called because you don't think they were that bad? No. Oh, there was no one else that called the police other than Lockett's mother or her kids. I mean, the, generally in incidences that get out of hand, it's the neighbours or someone else that called the police, but not in these incidences, so how bad were they? I don't know, you tell me. They weren't that bad to me. The next minute I just get the police showing up and going, oh, hang on, what's going on here? And someone's made an allegation, generally the boys, so I just decided to leave. It was in my best interest to leave. I mean, I've got a business in that to run, you know. I don't want the police turning up all the time. Obviously, we are hearing Paul's version of events. We have repeatedly tried to talk to Lockie's mother. Listen, can I, can I just tell you what I'm doing? We leave the invitation open. In statements made to the police, though, Lockie's mother portrays what had become a fractious, volatile relationship. She says while Paul didn't drink all the time, when he did, he became abusive, threatening and unpredictable. There are also copies of notices and court documents from three local pubs banning Paul because of drunkenness. So you admit that you were a verbally abusive drunk idiot. Can I put it that way? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yep. Is that being polite, maybe? Yep. Yep. Were you worse than that? Well, I'm not too sure, but I um, definitely said a few things I shouldn't have. Um, no regret saying some things, but... Um, it's said in the police statements, which have been taken after some of these incidents, that you're kind of fine until you start drinking and then you become verbally abusive. Oh, abusive, but not bad, you know. I've got to carry it away a couple of times and that, and, um, and the way it's all boiled over, and yes, I do accept that, yep. So you accept that you have been verbally abusive? Mm-hmm, yeah, definitely. And does it get worse when you're drinking? Oh, no, it just, I just spit out what's been boiling up over a matter of time and... Uh, you lose control? Oh, I don't lose control. I just lose control of my emotions. That's about it. Isn't that the same thing? Probably. I'm not too sure, but, yeah. I regret some of the things I've said and... Uh, and done? Yep. And uh, since I've moved out of there and got out of that situation, there's been nothing like that in the last four years. So um, 
yeah, it was a it was a bad situation, and and the alcohol made it worse, definitely. Yep. So you own that? I do, definitely. Yep. Paul says when the police did turn up, he would volunteer to stay elsewhere for the night. That was usually with an old fella called Kevin McCartney. The police would arrive and I'd end up going to stay at a friend's place. Or That's Kevin? Kevin, yep. Yep, I volunteered. Uh, they said, well, do you have any problem not staying here the night? And I said, no, nah, just take me around to Kevin's. So I'm just coming into Kevin McCartney's house. So Paul's told me that Kevin's in his mid-80s and he's a bit hard of hearing, so that explains my loud knocking. So this is a very smart-looking brick house, a very tidy garden, in a street full of other brick houses with tidy gardens. Dahlias are still out. Might try and go round to the, the back door. Kevin's wife Winsome died in 2014. As Paul said earlier, this is where he'd come and stay when there was trouble at the Salford Street house. Hello. Hello, hello. Pleased to meet you. Very yes. pleased to meet you too. Thank yeah. you for agreeing to see yeah. us. We're just ordinary people, we are. Well, so are we. Are you? That's Verna. Kevin describes Verna as his lady friend. Did you think I was kind of posh or something? No, I don't know. Interviewers are. Huh? A lot of interviewers are. Even they don't make people relax. I'm sitting in the lounge with Verna and Kevin. Kevin is 86 years old, a retired cabinet maker and builder. He shows me the violin he made by hand and a grandfather clock that sits centre stage in his lounge. So what's your relationship with Paul? Well, I just, we just met through a mutual friend. Oh, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I suppose. Yeah. And we sort of had a bit of an interest in horse racing. You too, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he would come and stay with you? He stayed here a few times, yeah. Because he was in trouble a bit, wasn't he, with his... X. Yeah, everything was happy, from what Paul said, with the, uh, him and her, till her two sons, uh, who were teenagers, come back to her. They are living with the father, apparently. And Paul always said, when they come back, that was the start of the finish. And so did he used to come around here? Kevin. We, the wee fellow. Lockie. Lockie did, yes. I had a box of toys out in the conservatory there. It was for my grandkids and all that. And the wee fellow had the toys all out, like kids do, all over the place. And then when Paul said to him, we're away, we have to go now, Lockie, he put them all in the box. No trouble at all. He, he was bright. He was a bright kid. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So it's a very strange business, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Very strange. It's, it's, I don't know how balls kept going. He loved that kid. He used to go with him. And he had a car seat in his van. His career van? In the courier van. And uh, the wee fellow used to love going out with him. He, he just loved it. He was with Dad. Dad he was Dad's boy. Yeah. Here's Werner. And I remember Paul coming in here and saying how everything has changed in the house. You, do you remember? Oh, you're probably Kevin Stodger. He said, everything has changed because of these two teenagers. And they said, and I don't like it. So things did change. And of course, this particular day... We'll just wait for that clock oh, yes. that Kevin made. Clock. Yes, he did. Did he show you the violin he made? He did show me. He's he, clever. He's very clever. Mm-hmm. While we are waiting on the clock, our conversation goes completely off-subject and veers into the depths of crafts, cooking and preserving fruit. I teach a lot of people lots of things, even at my age now. Oh, I bet you do. I do. I bet you're blooming good at bottling, are you? Yes, I've taught that. I should have brought all my pears down for my pear tree. Well, Hey? Now let's You know what you do with your pears? When you've peeled them, you put them in salt. Why is that? Put the, fill your sink up with cold water and a couple of tablespoons of salt so they don't go brown. Really? Yes. <laughs> we should be doing a cooking podcast instead. I cooking. Oh, yeah, I bet you did. I better get you back on track because we otherwise cook. I might get fired by my producer. Now, tell me no, what else it. you know about Paul being upset about Lockie. Oh, I'll tell you, it's, dread- it's been the most dreadful thing that could happen to anyone. Dreadful. I hate talking about it. Do you? Yeah, I do, because I followed it a lot, and I know it's all wrong. Upsets me. During their five-year relationship, there had been six police call-outs to the Salford Street address. As Paul has described, he would go and stay at Kevin's for the night to defuse the situation. Then, on August 25, 2018, things blew completely apart. Well, we were meant to go away for the day. We had a family, family holiday planned. 
And, um, Who was going? Me, Lockie, Lockie's mum, and the youngest um, stepbrother. So I finally got a day off work and we, yeah, we all booked a motel in Dunedin and uh, we're going to have a family day out and uh, got up and got all the car packed and got Lockie in the car seat and then went to get the youngest one. He was up playing his games all night again and he wouldn't get out of bed. So I said, oh, you've got to, you, you'll have to come. And he said, oh, I don't want to come. So I went out to Lockie's mum and um, she went in to get him and he said, oh, no, he won't come. He's tired. And I said, oh, well, that's not good enough. So I said, oh, we'll just go anyway. She said, oh, he's not staying here on his own. I don't trust him. So I said, oh, well, what do we do now? I said, oh, I hope to get him up and take him round to his dad's. And he refused to go round to his dad's. So eventually Lockie's mum said, uh, oh, look, we'll have to cancel. So I um, run to my motel and cancelled that and she said oh you have to do something with Lockie today you can just take him up by so I took him to the warehouse and brought him some stuff and went around a few shops and took him to the park and I had a friend that was on holiday so he was down in um, Edendale so she said oh I can run you down to Edendale if you want to catch up with your mate and I said oh, oh okay so I went down there meet me Lockie's mum and gave Lockie a kiss and that and she left and uh I kept ringing her to pick her up, wouldn't answer the phone, and eventually I got a hold of her and I said, oh, can you come down and get me? And she said, oh, oh, sorry, no, I can't come and get you. And I heard the oldest boy in the background and that, oh, no, we don't pick up losers. So um, I eventually I got a ride to the Matara, and so I walked from the Matara back to Salford Street. How far is that? Oh, it took me over an hour. I don't know, it's about 14 k's. So I walked in and that, and I said, oh, what the hell's going on? Why didn't you come and get me and that? And You are cross? Yeah, and they're all up in the up in the room and, and that, and uh, so I had to go When up you there. say they're all up in the room, that's... The youngest one's room, there's bedroom. All of them, mum and the T two boys? And Lockie, yeah. So, well, I don't know what happened. They instigated into a row and, um, and they said, oh, I'll leave, and... I wouldn't leave and then eventually I did go to leave and I went shooting up the lounge and she was standing there and I bumped into her and she fell on the bed and or pushed her or I don't know what happened but she ended up on the bed, lying on the bed and then I just walked out. Had you hit Lockie's mother? Well when I got arrested I pushed no, her. No, no, let's not talk about that yet. I've never had but a woman, ever. You've never ever had a woman? No, nah, no, nah, got brought up the right way, never had a woman in my life. So they ended up throwing, well not throwing me out, they pushed me out the door and locked the door and uh, we had a wee cat door there. And uh, oh, they said, oh, we're calling the police. So I thought, oh, I can't stay around here. So I actually really got stuck into them. I went off my head at the window and threatened them and that. And because Lockie was stuck in the cat door and said, oh, I'm going to come with your dad. And they weren't worried about him. And he had his wee hand out there and I was trying to grab his hand to get him inside. And I thought, oh, I'd better go because he was stuck there. So I thought, Did he have his hand out the cat door? Oh, his head was there as well and his hand and he was trying to grab me. And so I gave him a wee. Oh, so his head was out the cat door? Yeah. And his hand? Yeah. And what was he saying? I want to come with you, Dad. I said, oh, no, Dad, dad see you later. I've got to go. So I took off and... Uh, he went to Kevin's, yeah. your friend Kevin's. Yeah. Here's Ferner again.
Paul arrived here and he was not good. He was just not good. Oh, I tell you, he was beside himself. And he was saying how he's had to leave Lockie at home and he was crying and crying with his head outside this cat door, wanting to go home with him. The next day, the police arrived at Kevin's house. And that Paul was here that afternoon, uh, it was in the afternoon on a Sunday, and the cops come here and took him away for assault. Paul was charged with male assaults female and waited at the Gore police station before being driven to spend the night in the cells in nearby Invercargill. He secured a lawyer and appeared in court charged with male assaults female in threatening language. The charge would later be reduced to common assault. So did you plead guilty to that? I was advised to by my lawyer, so I did. Your lawyer advised you to plead guilty, mm-hmm. and why did he advise you to plead guilty? Because I was a get it over and done with and go about getting access to see Lockie. I hadn't seen him. I, was, I wanted to see my son, you know. So your lawyer advised you that if you pleaded guilty, it would fast-track you to see your son? Mm-hmm. So then I had no, about three or four weeks, I didn't even get to see Lockie at all. I just, yeah. I just had to come up and do my job, go home and forget about it more or less, try to. You weren't allowed to stay in Gore? No. There was a protection order, so you were allowed to come and do your work in Gore mm-hmm. as a career driver, mm-hmm. but you weren't allowed to stay in Gore I possibly could have Gore stayed in night. Gore, but I, yeah, my, my dad and that, I thought it would be best I stay in Vicargo. And so you did start to get access, didn't you, to Lockie? Mm-hmm. So you had weekend access, or...? Uh, Tuesday and Thursday night, and then every second weekend I was meant to have access to him. I took, oh, I know one occasion I took Lockie to Invercargill, and we stayed at a motel, and it was our weekend together, and next minute <laughs> Lockie's mum showed up and said, oh, I'm just a bit worried about Lockie, and... Uh, because, I have to ask you this too, in the police file, there's all these texts between you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, well, we were very still civil and that. When, when, as I said, when the kids and that weren't there, and, well, you know those text messages—they mm-hmm. were pretty saucy, if I can put it that way. Mm. Like you're arranging to meet up to hook up. Yeah, we planned to go away. So that weekend, which was following Lockie's death. Yeah, we were sort of getting—we were getting back on speaking terms. Yep. Definitely. Well, it sounded a bit more than speaking terms, if you don't mind me saying, Paul. Yeah, well, I was calling into our work and and, and that and um, dropping stuff and that off lunches and bits and pieces when I could and that, so I was st- still making an effort. At that stage, I still definitely had feelings for Lockie's mum, you know. Yeah, the only, as I said, the only problem was those boys. And my, my, you know, it was never Lockie's mum, you know. It's just the fact that she was caught in the middle of it all. It was hard, you know.
A week before Christmas in 2018, in a family court hearing, the protection order against Paul was dropped after Lockie's mum had applied for it to be discharged. As well as sorting out the parenting arrangements, a possible reconciliation between Paul and Lockie's mum was signalled and recorded by the court. Six weeks later, Lockie would be found dead. Paul was staying at his father's house in Invercargill when he received the phone call from Lockie's mum. She said, I think Lockie's missing. And then you got straight in your car? Yeah, I actually drove up in my courier van. Yep, flat out, yep. As he sped from Invercargill to Gore, he rang his mate, Dave Aiken, who was also Karen Maguire's partner. I just remember the phone call that night um, when he rang my partner to tell him that Lockie was missing and he needed a hand to search. Um, he was frantic. Uh, he said to my partner, my boy's gone. My boy's gone. And, and, and I just said to, said to him, my, like to my partner, I said, no, I said, he'll be down at the park. He doesn't run away. He'll, he'll just be at the park. But no, Paul's worst nightmare had come true. He was gone. Coming up in episode five, the sad and strange events that unfolded before Lockie went missing and the very unusual goings-on at the house the next day. Yeah, I've taken quite a number of funerals over the years uh, and the scene at the house was different to what I've experienced before. For more journalism that matters, including our award-winning true crime series and podcast Peter, Alice, The Crash Case and Me, head to newsroom.co.nz or your favourite podcast app. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate and review our series. It helps new listeners find us. You can also follow our social media pages by searching Melanie Reed Investigates. This series is written and produced by me, Melanie Reid, along with Bonnie Sumner and Judith Curran. It's edited by Paul Entercott. Original music by H. Pryor. You're listening to The Boy in the Water, public interest journalism funded through Aotearoa New Zealand on air. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.